So we started off this series uh, several weeks ago now um, with 10 works of the Spirit, kind of a comprehensive overview. What are all the different things the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, his roles and responsibilities are? Then we dived in and we looked at the idea of God being a relational God. That was week two, right? The, the idea that throughout Scripture, God is working to get his Spirit back to us, which is the thing we'd lost, God's very presence we'd lost at the beginning. And that culminated in the, the power of the Spirit being poured out at the beginning of the church and God's Holy Spirit coming on the disciples and powerful things happening as a result of that. Then we, we dove in, we started looking at the gifts of the Spirit, which are a big work that the Holy Spirit has come to do, is to give us supernatural gifts. Then we, now, since then, we've been going into what are the different gifts. So we looked at prophecy. Uh, then the following week, we, we kind of bundled three gifts together. We looked at the, the word of wisdom, the word of exaltation, the word of knowledge, those three. Then the following week, we bundled three more together. We looked at faith, healing, and miracles. And now, today, I think this is week seven we're in, and today we're looking at the gift of tongues and interpretations. And I have to apologize. I said I'd make people speak in tongues, and that was a bad joke. It was a joke. It was a bad joke. My wife told me off uh, for that one. Sorry, honey. She's watching online, probably. Um, so uh, the most profound message, though, that you need to get out of today's sermon is this. You should have bought a Honda, but you got a Skoda. Uh, that was the English version. I'll give you a translation. You should have bought a Honda, but you got a Kia. Does anyone know what a Honda is? You should have bought a Honda, but you got a Kia. Am I saying it wrong? I screwed up my joke. <clears throat> well, that's the thing with tongues is when you're speaking in tongues, you speak fast. You should have bought a Honda, but you got a Kia. I ruined it. I ruined it. It's a classic charismatic joke, making fun of the gift of tongues. All right, let's, uh, let's pray because we need help from Jesus. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would uh, speak to us today. Uh, give us clarity, Lord. This, we know that this can be a controversial, difficult topic. We know that the gifts can be abused and have been abused, especially the gift of tongues. And we pray that you would um, illuminate and give us clarity from your word. But also we pray that you give us faith to pursue your gifts, whatever they may be, whether it's tongues, interpretation, something else. But Lord, that we would believe and that we would be mature, that we wouldn't be leading or, or walking out of our flesh, out of e either ego or fear, but that we would be walking in submission to you and trust in you and in grace and in, in a desire to bless others. Lord, give us that, that purity of motive uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, regarding the gift of tongues, the Apostle Paul, let's start with the Apostle Paul. He says three things about tongues. We've got this little list here, three things. The Apostle Paul says that he, was, that he spoke in tongues more than all of the Corinthians. So it sounds a little bit boastful. A couple of times Paul says things that sound a little boastful. Um, don't know his motives, but he says, hey, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than all of you. And they spoke in tongues a lot. Then he also says he wishes that um, everyone could speak in tongues. That's in chapter 14, verse 5. He wishes that. Hey, I wish you could all speak in tongues. And then lastly, again, he says directly, do not forbid speaking in tongues. And of course, we looked at this in previous weeks where um, the scripture says that the gifts will not pass away until we are face to face. So they continue on. Uh, they haven't ceased uh, in that regard. And so let's, let's look at the first experience or the first time in the Bible where the gift of tongues actually shows up. Let's jump into this. Acts chapter 2. This is the day, the, the day of Pentecost. 
the coming of the Spirit. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, just means other languages, they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. And they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues, in our own languages, the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocked and said, They are filled with new wine. This is God's word. Since the very beginning of the church, well, the gift of tongues was probably, it looks like the first gift that was given. And since the very beginning, uh, the crowd has been split on this one. The crowd was split, right? Some people were amazed, some people perplexed, and some people mocked. Sounds like spending about five minutes on Twitter, all those things happening, and, being, and people accused of being drunk. It's, there is great confusion and great misunderstanding around this gift. Tongues is an unknown language. When the Holy Spirit comes on a person and they start speaking in tongues, they're speaking a language that they don't know. So they're saying words out loud, but in their brain they're thinking, I just don't know. I don't know what it is, but I'm saying these words. And these words, you know, there's blessing that comes in it, but my mind is not sure what I'm actually saying. But the Holy Spirit is giving me these words. It's a very curious thing. It can be, as we've seen here, it can be human languages. I guess does that, is there a possibility it could be a dead language that's not spoken anymore? Maybe. I don't know why that would happen, but you never know. God can do anything. It could just be sometimes a spiritual language. Perhaps it'll be the language that will all... I'm sure there'll be a universal language in heaven. So maybe it's the future language of heaven that we're speaking. Or uh, it could even be an angelic language. That's, it's uncertain. Paul says, if you speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, then you, you have nothing. He's not saying you can do that. He's saying if you were able to do that. But you hadn't. It's, it's not a direct statement that you can do it, but it says maybe it's an indication that you could speak in the, the language of angels. Um, the point is about tongues is it's a supernaturally enabled language that the person speaking it doesn't know. That's what's going on. And as we're speaking in tongues, God uses this gift. Why? Why did God give this gift? It's so, 
yeah, there's something a bit strange about it, right? Something a little, little peculiar about it. God glorifies himself through this gift in a few ways. The person speaking in other languages is blessed by the experience. There is, um, I, I speak in tongues, and other people have spoken in tongues. It's a, it is a powerful experience to do this. There's, there's a wonderful experience of God's presence as you do this. But also you grow. There's, there's this spiritual transformation that happens in you. In 1 Corinthians 14, it tells us this, verse 4. It says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. So there's something that the Holy Spirit's doing in us as we're speaking in these unknown languages. We're being built up. We're being strengthened. We're being encouraged. We're being helped somehow by this. And that's the kind of anecdotal experience that people will tell you as they've spoken in other tongues. They'll say, yeah, I just I feel God's power as I do. I feel growth. I feel God doing something in me uh, as I do this. Now, if you're somebody who uh, has done a lot of improv or you just, you know, you're not short of words, um, learning how to pray may not be a barrier to you. You may be like, yeah, I can easily pray. You know, I've kind of got a loose tongue and can say lots of words and praying can be easy. But I guess even with that, um, sometimes you can be stumped when it comes to like, if you're frustrated with God or you're feeling stuck or you're just, you know, you're dealing with a difficult situation in your own life or someone else's life, you can sometimes struggle to know, how do I pray? And this is the other reason that the gift of tongues is given. The gift of tongues takes you beyond your, your native tongue and it takes you into a realm where, you can, where you're sensing that you're praying things or you're speaking things, you're saying things that are beyond what you could normally communicate. Paul puts it this way in Romans. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. He says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So there is this sense that the Holy Spirit helps us go beyond what we can normally communicate with our own. Because sometimes they're just not the words. Are there? Sometimes you're struggling. You're, you're feeling something, but you say, I don't have quite the words for it. Well, when you start praying and speaking and talking in tongues, oh, now I'm going beyond. Now there's a sense in my spirit that I'm actually saying the things that are inside. They, they, they're coming out. There's... Uh, Clear teaching, and I'm going to go through this, very clear teaching on what a tongue actually is. A tongue, or the gift of language, is a prayer or praise that's focus is Godward, it's towards God. That's what the gift of language is, it's upwards, it's towards God. It's not a prophetic message or a teaching towards people. This is a really important distinction to clarify. So we already read it in Acts chapter 2, but let's focus on uh, this next verse here in Acts chapter 2, verse 11. We just read this, but let's read this again. It says, We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So the disciples, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit rushes upon them, there's a sound of a rushing wind, there's tongues of fire, an exceptional experience. What we see happening is they're not getting personal words. They're not like communicating messages to people. They're declaring the wonders or the mighty works of God. And this has a sense to it where if you read a lot of the Psalms, the Psalms will go through sometimes the history of Israel or the mighty things that God has done. It says, declare the mighty works of God. Look at the wonderful things that God has done. And so in, in the narrative of Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit is poured out, that's what people are saying. They're saying, this is what we hear. We hear them declaring all the amazing things that God has done, how mighty God is. That's what we're hearing. That's what we're hearing. 
So it's a huge hint. In the, it's a massive hint. It's not just a slight hint. It's a massive hint that languages are given for exhortation, for upward communication with God, to exhort God, to magnify God, to speak about how good and how great and how wonderful God is. What is strongly suggested in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2 there, verse 11, is directly taught by the apostle Paul. So there's no confusion over this. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2 says, For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. When it says mysteries, it doesn't mean things that are unknown, like you're creating new doctrine or something. It just means because you, nobody knows what's being said, unless you get the interpretation. But typically, no one know, you know, if you're just praying a tongue, no one knows it, unless they get the interpretation, then it's a mystery. I don't know what I'm saying. Other people who hear it don't necessarily know what I'm saying. But the one who gets a tongue, so let that, put that verse back up again, will you? Let that, those three words there, not to men. Let that sink in. This is the Bible's teaching on tongues. We do not use tongues to speak to each other, to communicate to each other. There's some nuance to this, and I'll get to it in a second, but we have to understand that these are upward-focused exhortation and worship towards God. That's what we're examining here and looking at here with the gift of tongues. Now, the reason this this matters is because some people have taught that there's a missionary gift of tongues, that Christians are empowered by the Holy Spirit to approach somebody of a different ethnicity or a different, you know, different country, a different language, and they, through the power of the Spirit, they can share the gospel with that person, and it's like a missionary gift of tongues. That is, the reason people conclude that is based on what we read from Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit comes on the people, they hear them speaking in tongues, and they're like, Wow, we all hear them in our native tongues. So people think, oh, there's a a missionary gift where you can do this. That's a misunderstanding of actually what's happening in Acts chapter 2. What's happening is the gospel is preached through Peter. Peter, after they've been praying in tongues and the crowd has gathered and they're like, what's going on? Peter gets up, not speaking in tongues, and preaches the gospel. This was an international group of people. They probably would have either been able to understand most of what Peter was saying in his native tongue or people would have translated for them. But there is no... The Bible does not allow us to have an interpretation of tongues where we're communicating, where there's personal, private, or even gospel messages for people. This is stuff that's upwards towards God. And it gets even clearer. So in 1 Corinthians Chapter 14, verse 14, it says, Paul says, if I pray in a tongue, look at that. Sometimes we miss these things. We just read over them. If I pray in a tongue, what's he doing? He's praying. My spirit prays. Oh, he's praying again. It was prayer. But my mind is unfruitful. Again, that means your mind, you don't know what you're saying. Your mind's confused or it's just a mystery. I don't know. But my spirit is being built up. I'm growing. I'm being transformed. Something powerful is happening. I feel God's power at work as I pray in tongues. The Bible does not have one verse that says we can prophesy through a tongue. In fact, it says we do not speak to men with tongues. We speak to God with tongues. So they're prayers. They're praises. They're not prophetic messages. Now, the nuance here is that if somebody is empowered to pray in another language, and it's a human language, 
that then somebody of that language hears that and they hear them like in Acts chapter 2, they hear them praising and worshiping God and praying to God and they come to understand, well, that person doesn't know that language. They don't know my native tongue, but they're saying it. What a powerful, what a powerful opportunity. I'm sure we've all heard stories of that, right, where that happens. There's, there's plenty of stories I've heard over the years of that happening where somebody is a guest at church and somebody prays in the tongue. And they're like, that's my native tongue. That person doesn't know it. And um, God uses that in powerful ways. But God can bless. I mean, that can be a believer hearing it or an unbeliever hearing it. It could be either way. It's going to bless that person if they know that the, the Holy Spirit has supernaturally enabled somebody to pray in their own native tongue. That's the, that's the nuance to it. Now, unfortunately, with the gift of tongues, this gift is probably one of the most abused gifts that's out there. And I really wish it wasn't, because uh, it's actually a wonderful gift. It's something that God has given. But it can be used, and it has been used at times, to indicate that perhaps some people, some Christians have a higher status. If they, if they have the gift of tongues, they're, they're just a little extra special, because they can speak in tongues. And that's impressive, you know. Man. What's funny about this is it's like it's completely of God's accord, right? It's like the funny thing about tongues is that you have no idea what you're saying. So it's not impressive just to be saying things you have no idea what it is. But it's been used, it's been elevated in that way. And even worse than that, sometimes it's been used, sometimes it's, it's, it's taught and said that if you don't pray in tongues, then you haven't actually received the power of the Spirit in the first place. So, for example, and I hate doing this, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, you've got to do it sometimes. But, for example, like Hillsongs would teach that. And there's lots of things to like about Hillsongs. We like a lot of their worship music. But they're wrong on this one. They will teach that if you don't speak in tongues, then you haven't received the Holy Spirit. Problem is, that's an extrapolation of Scripture. Scripture doesn't actually teach that. Some even take it further than that. And they say, if you don't speak in tongues, that's evidence you're not even a Christian. Now that's way out of bounds, way out of bounds. So we don't elevate, we don't elevate the gift of tongues. Actually, Paul seems to downgrade tongues because he says, uh, if you're going to really go after any gift, go after prophecy. I'd much rather you, especially that you would prophesy. And even some of the lists of gifts, tongues is at the end of the list. So it even seems like, hey, you know, it's, it's not one of the big ones. Even though it was the, the first one, it's not necessarily one of the big ones. Paul says it's good to desire it. He, I wish you could all speak in tongues. Hey, it's great to desire it, but there's no special, extra special Christian that gets to speak in tongues that somehow they're better than others. Also, Paul says, do all speak in tongues? In the same line as he says, are all apostles? And we know that all are not apostles. Do all speak in tongues? The answer is no. No, so it can't be... The gift of tongues cannot be the one sign that you have to get to know you're a believer or to know you've received power from the Spirit. It cannot be based on what the Scripture says itself. We have to wrestle with the text. It's, it's hard to be challenged sometimes on these things if we've been in environments or believe things that have been contrary to this. But that's what it means to be a Christian, is to be humble and to say, I align myself with God's Word. God's Word is trustworthy. I look at it, I examine it, and I make an, an adjustment in order to follow it properly. There's really two, the gift of tongues is very simple actually, but, and there's two expressions of it. There's kind of a, a personal expression of it where you can just, just you and God, you're just praying in tongues. Just, you're just praying to God. There's also a public expression of it where in a gathered group of people, somebody might get up and share a tongue with everyone. They're exactly the same gift. 
I think sometimes people are, are, are hesitant to, to want to seek the gift of tongues because they think, well, I wouldn't necessarily mind the first one as long as no one knew. Uh, but the second one is a little scary because then I have to get up in front of everyone and, and, and say all this stuff that doesn't make any sense in your brain. And, but I don't, think, I don't think we have to... I want to encourage people not to worry about that because just because you have the private gift prayer language of tongues doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is going to cause you to bring a public tongue. The only difference between these two things is that a publicly brought tongue, so it's in a, in a group of people where anyone could be present, it, has to, it really needs to be interpreted. That's the, the teaching of scriptures. It, you need somebody who can then get up afterwards and say, this is, you know, they can basically give you the meaning of it. And they can pray afterwards and, and explain what it is. But with a private tongue, you don't need to do that. There is a lot of stigma around the gift of tongues, isn't there, in our culture? Massive stigma that it's, it's, it's mocked, it's made fun of. You know, you, you don't have to watch a lot of media to, to kind of come across something where someone's making fun of tongue-speaking Christians. You know, one of those kind of moments, I'm always a little bit like, ooh, that's what, I'm one of those people, you know. And uh, because of that, I think we have to be extra sensitive and extra careful with this gift. We, you have to, you know, there's something in Christianity called contextualization, where you don't change the truth, you, you believe it wholeheartedly, but you say, how can we communicate it and how can we practice it in a way where it makes sense to the culture that we're in? And that's a real discipline. That takes maturity. It takes time to do, that, to do that. And you do that with the Bible. You do that with the gospel. You, you have to do that with spiritual gifts as well. So yeah, there's a stigma around tongues. And so my feeling is that if, if you're going to have somebody in a public meeting like this pray a tongue out, which we are open to, we've had it it hasn't happened a lot in the history of our church, but it's a gift of the Spirit. So if somebody feels called to do that, we're going to make space for it if we feel like it's the right moment. But here's how we would do it is we would always explain it before it happens, which is not that hard. It doesn't have to take that long. You just turn to some verses in Corinthians. Hey, this is what the Bible says. This is why we do this. This is what it means. And then you have it. And then you have the interpretation. So that way, people aren't confused because that's what you're trying to avoid. You're trying to avoid confusion. But we don't, we don't want to get... We don't want to, what does Paul said, don't, don't forbid speaking in tongues. So we don't want to forbid it, but also we want to do it in a way that's going to actually enrich our experience and help those who are going to be here, who are going to, people who are going to say, I've never heard of it, don't know what it is, or I've heard of it and it's hokey. The people would actually get a sense of like, okay, I could see that God was in that. Something beautiful, powerful happened in that moment, but I was ready for it. Paul even says in Corinthians, he, he puts some restrictions around uh, how many tongues you would have in a public meeting. He even says like, hey, listen, at most have, have two, maybe three. I'm paraphrasing. But he's like, most just, you know, a couple of these are good. Three at most. At the very most you have three. And even to me that sounds, I'm like, Paul, that three sounds like a lot. Like, that just sounds like a lot, you know. Especially some people can go on for a long time, you know. And, and that's the thing. The gift is a very exciting thing to experience. It's a very wonderful thing to experience. And so you want to keep praying because you're like, God, the Holy Spirit's empowering me to do this. This is a wonderful thing to do. We actually have an example here in 1 Corinthians 14 of a private gift and the public gift of tongues. So it says, if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and God. So this is almost a public tongue. Someone's like, isn't this strange? Strange. A Christian in a, in a, in a church meeting is like, oh, I've got a tongue I want to pray, but they don't have confidence that they can bring the interpretation. They don't know what it is. And you're like, well, we're not really, you know, the people with the interpretation, the gift of interpretation, not here today. So we're not confident. So you say, well, okay, so then you're just going to have to go, just go back to your seat and just pray it yourself. 
So it, it was almost a public expression of it, but now it's turned into a private expression of tongues. And notice it's between them and God, right? Speaking to himself and God. So they're, they're going to hear the, the, the tongue themselves. But again, it's towards God. They're not prophesying to themselves. They're speaking to God with this, which is why, again, it's prayer and praise is upwards, focused. This, this gift is, it is, there is something strange about this gift. I sometimes, whenever I, I hear somebody praying in tongues, sometimes, if, depending on how it's going, I'm always, sometimes I'm a little bit like, oh, Lord, help us. Um, <laughs> even though I even, even myself pray in tongues, um, it's that skepticism in my own mind coming through. But um, let, let me just say this, even, even publicly, You'd want to have, have an interpretation so it makes sense to everyone. But, but even if you're just in the pews and you're, there's, you're doing worship time and you have the gift of tongues and you're praying or singing in tongues, just be conscious of who's around you. Just be conscious of that. Be thinking, you know, I don't know if this, maybe this person next to me, they look pretty new. Maybe they've never heard anything like this before. I almost scared away Taylor many years ago. Came, he came to a prayer meeting. We were in a prayer meeting, so it was his fault. He's brand new to the church, never heard about tongues before, and I started praying in tongues over him. And he's like, I'm never going back to this church. This is weird. And here he is, all these years later, praise God. So something happened. <laughs> um, but God gives this gift. In 1 Corinthians uh, 14, again, um, verse 26, it says, When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Let them be done. For, we have to have open hearts. We don't get to just make this up as we go along or do, do the things that we like the most or things that are most comfortable for us. We, we want to be people of the Word and people of the Spirit. And the Word is telling us to be people of the Spirit. And also, the world, the world has nothing sacred going on. The world just has cool stuff. And you know, after a while, people get tired of cool stuff. They want, they, want, they want God. They want something powerful. They want something beyond this life, something spiritual. And if, if and tongues, interpretation of tongues, or prophecy, or you know, praying for healing, like these things, these, this is power. This is power. And for people to see God at work, for people to come into the church and then leave and be like, well, if there's a God, he wasn't really doing anything there. I mean, if you're going to believe in God, you, can, you, you believe in anything. Anything is possible with God. And so we want to be those who are open, those who are hungry, those who say we're willing to do this, willing to open ourselves up to receiving prayer languages from God. And then if they're going to be shared publicly, we're going to seek the interpretation of it. I don't, it's not sinful or evil or bad to not have an interpretation. It's just not ideal. You just want to strive for it. I've been in meetings before where someone had a tongue and no one interpreted it. And then you're just left scratching your head. You're just like, well, that's, I guess that was that. You're like, let's transition and move on. So it's not horrible. It's not like, oh, we did something really terrible. It's just, you know, when we're looking at Scripture, we're like, well, we really want to seek the interpretation of it. And we're told, hey, if someone's got a tongue, they should pray for the power to interpret. They should pray themselves. God, give it to me so that I could give the interpretation myself, which that's cool because that, that gives you permission to ask God for spiritual gifts. Pray for the power to interpret because the gift of interpretation is itself a separate spiritual gift. Just because you speak in tongues doesn't mean you've got interpretation. Just because you've got interpretation doesn't mean you've got tongues. You might be, that's my specialty. Is I, I, I clean up after all the crazy tongue, tongue people. 
I have to go around and clean up after them because they're just leaving a mess everywhere. All these random words laying around, and I have to put order to it and make it make sense to everyone. That's your specialty. We need you, seriously. A lot of Pentecostal churches out there, they need you. <laughs> that was mean. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Now, actually, you know what? There's a lot to learn from spirit-filled, charismatic Pentecostal churches. They're planting more churches than any other group. People are passionate on fire for God. A lot to learn. A lot to learn. Gift of interpretation is its own gift. We want to seek that gift. There is, with the gift of tongues, it's, it's strange, isn't it? It kind of shows up in Acts chapter 2. It kind of almost seems like out of the blue. Like you know, With prophecy, at least that was in the Old Testament, right? With healing, at least that was like in the Old Testament, right? Tongues... What in the world? Where did this come from? Actually, there's some echoing from the Old Testament into the New Testament that helps us explain this, helps us understand this. So when we look, at, when we look into the Old Testament and we see the way God moved, it gives us a, a couple of insights into layering in deeper understandings of the gift of tongues. So we have this example from Exodus chapter 3, verse 2, where uh, this is about Moses, and it said, The angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Moses, in a flame of fire, out of the midst of a bush, he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Now, this is reminiscent of the tongues of fire. There's something about this experience that feels a little bit like the tongues of fire coming on the disciples on the day of Pentecost. And the difference is, in the Old Testament, you had the, the flames were, I mean, they're not actual flames because they're not burning anything. But they are, they look like flames, but they're not flames like we know. It's spiritual somehow, but it's not consuming the bush. But it's not on people, it's on the bush. And also it only came to one person, it came to a prophet. So in the Old Testament, you've got the Spirit's power coming externally in that way and to one person, to a prophet. In the New Testament, they all, the tongues of fire come on the people themselves. The Holy Spirit comes on them directly, but not just on a few key people, on all of them. They all receive. That's a wonderful, there's an echo of it in the Old Testament, and you see it, boom, it's coming about in the New Testament. Then we also see the other echo here in the Old Testament is with the Tower of, of Babel, where the people, they're, they're not following God's plan to spread out on the earth and you know, fill the earth and multiply on the earth. They're, they're gathering together in their hubris and their arrogance, and they're trying to build this skyscraper to reach the heavens, like we're going to be like God, and God's, it said, well, it says this in Genesis uh, chapter 11, verse 7. It says, come, uh, come, let us go down there, uh, go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So this is a curse. This is the beginning of different languages on the earth and people not being able to communicate and spreading out to different parts of the world and there being divisions between people groups. And so then what you see is, you see in then Acts chapter 2, verse 8, it says, we hear each of us in his own native tongue. This is the curse being broken. So where God brought that curse in Genesis, at the very beginning, you got to spread out. It was to force them, to, to humble them, but also to force them to spread out. And that brought division and difficulty. Now, with the Holy Spirit coming in Acts chapter 2 on the church, it's a sign, it's a symbol, it's an indication that this work is for all people. It's not just for Israelites. It's not just for Jews. It's not just for people born as descendants of Abraham. This is for every single one of us. So this gives us permission to shine the light 
of the gospel, to shine the light of the goodness of God, to shine the praises of God as bright as we can because this power comes, the Holy Spirit has come, tongues have come, interpretations have come, healing has come, these gifts have come, prophecy has come to break down barriers, to break curses, to open up hearts, to fulfill promises, to do a new work. And this is a global work that he's doing that is communicating the love of God to all people. Now, as we said, not everyone's going to speak in tongues. But everyone can at least get one gift. We've said that before, and probably maybe two or three gifts. You might better get a few of them. And it's okay if you desire a gift to ask for it. I do, even though I think not every, it does say not everyone can have the gift of tongues, I do think that if you don't have it, I think there's still permission. There's still, I think it can be available to you. If you don't want it, don't worry about it. That's fine. Just make sure you don't want it for the right reasons. <laughs> but if, if there's any desire or interest in there, I think you can ask for it. I think you can ask joyfully for it. I think you can ask with persistence. I mean, there's lots of verses in the Bible where Jesus is like, keep knocking at the door, keep asking, keep persisting, keep seeking me for these things. So if it's a desire, if it's something you say, I feel like that would grow my, my experience of God, ask, ask for it. It says this in 1 John chapter 5. It says, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears it. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So, of course, it's in accordance with, with his will. So if it's not his will, then it won't happen. But if it's in accordance with his will and we ask, we can have confidence that God's going to do something. So if you desire it, ask for it, but make sure you don't neglect the gifts you already have. Make sure you don't despise how God has already designed you because it can be so easy to compare yourself and say, well, I'm like this, but these other people are like this and that's more exciting. Don't, don't do that. Be really happy. Get to a place of happiness and acceptance. of This is how God has made me. He's wired me this way. These are the gifts I express and be excited about that and say, how can I use that to the best of my ability? And then with a mature heart, if you do desire like something like tongues or another gift you don't have, then pray with joy and with persistence. Say, God, would you fill me with that? Now, don't ask if you don't believe. If you're not convinced theologically that this is true or real, don't. This is not like, a, I'm just going to give it a go, just in case it's a real thing. Don't, don't do that. You need to be convinced theologically this is true. This is for today. The Apostle Paul spoke in tongues more than all the Corinthians. It's for today. I believe it theologically. But then, as I'm asking, I should expect. I should, I should have expectation. And if that doesn't work, then try coffee. Coffee might help as well. Some people say that when they are experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit and they're, gonna, they're feeling a sense of praying in tongues, almost like it's like a welling up inside of them. Like there's, there's power there. There's a welling up, a bubbling up inside of them. Words start to form and Sounds start to form, a rhythm starts to form, and they kind of blurt it out, they start speaking it out. That, that happens for some people. But I've also heard of other people, they pray, and they, they ask for it, and they don't feel anything. Either in that moment or later on, there's just, there's just a prompting, there's a sense, I need to try this. I need to step out and try this. And I think in that situation, so for some people it might be more emotional, it might be in a time where there's, you know, if, if it's in a time of worship, you know, music stirs up our emotions, you have to be careful about that. That's a good thing. Mostly that's a really good thing. You just have to make sure you're not being manipulated by it. 
because people can use it that way too, but God's given it as a gift to actually make us happy. So let's play music because it makes us happy in God. So, so we want to be, so, so if there's a welling up and a joy, great, go with it. But also you might be the kind of person that is just, you're just more, you know, rationally minded about these things, more pra- pragmatic about it. You might just be the kind of person that says, I believe in Jesus. I've got faith that if I ask for the Holy Spirit to come, he's going to be here. And if I ask for the gift of tongues, I could try it. It might be a little bit more of a pragmatic approach to it. Either way, we've got to understand this. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues. We do. We do it by his power. We do it by his prompting. We do it by, you know, he's putting stuff in us, but we have to step out. And if you think about a baby learning language, um, they just learn a few words at a time, right? Usually your kids learn the word no pretty quickly. It's always amusing as a parent. It's always shocking as a parent, the things that your kids start saying. You're like, do we say that a lot? You're like, I've got to clean, clean up my language here. Remember the first time our oldest son in the back there, Jones? No, mama! Shouting at my wife, running away. No! Kids learn no pretty quickly. But even, even when, you, when, you, when you're a small child, humanly speaking, you just start learning a few baby words, a few key words, right, to get by. And then you add on over time. There could be something similar to this with tongues. Even Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. He's actually in the context of tongues. He says this. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. And he says, when I grow up to mature manhood, then I leave childish things behind. And that mature manhood is talking about the next life, being in heaven. So we won't have the gifts in heaven. We'll, be, we'll have reached full maturity at that point. So I won't have that gift in heaven. So he actually is likening the gift of tongues to actually speaking like a child right now. It's kind of an interesting way to look at it. So maybe you just get a couple of sounds, a couple of words. It's like baby babble, and you start trying it out. And I've got to tell you, most people feel really stupid when they start doing this. You feel dumb. And it's a great way for our enemy, for spiritual forces of darkness, to make us feel extra stupid about it and to, to convince us we're just making it up, it's not from God, all those different things. You have to fight all that. That's spiritual warfare. You have to fight all that. But you can know, you can be confident, as I'm, if the Holy Spirit's empowering me, I've asked in faith and I'm trying this, I can have confidence that, that God will use this, that I'm speaking things that are going to glorify God. In Corinthians, they were worried, like, what if people are saying bad things in a tongue? Paul's like, no, 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 you can't say something bad in a tongue. <laughs> it's not possible because it's by the Holy Spirit. Let's have faith for this. Let's trust God for this, that we can move in this, in this way. The gift of tongues, actually, and interpretation of tongues can be a bit of a symbol to us of the great message of Jesus, of what Jesus has done on our behalf. Just as tongues is given to us by the Holy Spirit, it's something we can't do it ourselves. We can't muster up the ability. We don't know what we're saying. What Jesus has done for us, the free gift of grace, the forgiveness of sins, it's not something we can muster up. It's not something that we learn. That we, that we figure out ourselves is something that completely comes to us from God, 100% from God. Maybe the gospel itself, this good news of grace, maybe it's felt like a foreign language to you. It just felt like gobbledygook. Like people are saying things and some of it, every so often I catch something that goes, oh, that sounds kind of good, but I don't really get the whole thing. Has the gospel message itself felt like a tongue to you? It's felt like just foreign language. Let, let me give you the interpretation today. Let me give you the meaning of it today to make it crystal clear. Because this gospel message of Jesus is set apart from all other systems of faith. All other beliefs that you could ever have teach you that you have to work at being better. 
to be made right with God, to have your sins forgiven, to be cleansed of the evil of, of your own heart, you have to work at it. To be, for, to be made right with God, it's on you. And the message of Jesus is the complete opposite. And this is how plain, how clear, how freeing, how wonderful it is, is you and I, we cannot do it by ourselves. It is impossible. You, we have good works, but the Bible says our good works are like filthy rags. That, that we're made in God's image, so there's, there's kind of an, something you know, good there still that's reflective of God, that we, we can do good, but it's, it's nowhere close to enough. It doesn't even get us anywhere close to enough. And so instead of us having to do the good works to take away our sin, Jesus did all the good works. And then he substituted his life for our lives. Sacrificed himself, gave his life for our life. A substitutionary sacrifice. Switched places for us and with us. And it's free. It's something that is done to you. All you do is you respond to it. And you respond to it through repentance. You come in humility and say, God, I've sinned. Forgive me. I trust in what you have done. Not what I've done, in what you have done. Hopefully that's in your native tongue. If you're still scratching your head, if you're still scratching your head saying, I don't get it, you've got to press in. It's, it's, it sounds wrong to a lot of people. Say, well, surely I have to do something. Surely it's on me somehow. No. If it was on you, that's bad news. But the message is good news. It's not on you. It's on Jesus. So trust in Jesus. If you want to ask God to help you pray in tongues, then we're going to make some space to do that.